Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The one thing that he drilled into us over and over again was avoid card tricks. And to this day, I can hear him going, there are 51 ways they can go wrong and only one way they can go right. (laughs) Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host, Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers, and today we're talking about magic, Mm. and I am 
so so excited and pleased to be joined by alistair martin and sean now as always we are going to introduce ourselves alphabetically so alistair can you give me your pronouns and tell me what you do yeah, of course. Hi, Helen. How you doing? Hi. I'm Alistair. My pronouns are he, him. I co-own the Escape Artist Podcast Network with my partner, Marguerite Kenner, and I am a journalist and game designer and professional pop culture enthusiast. Oh, lovely. Perfect. Now, Martin, mm. give me your pronouns and tell me what you do. Hello, uh, I'm Martin Pratt, CTO at Rusty Quill uh, and general mischief achiever at Rusty Quill. <laughs> uh, also professional <laughs> Alistair Stewart fan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, him. And lastly, Sean, please give us your pronouns and tell us what you do. Hello. Uh, as no doubt you've heard by now, my name is Sean Smith. Pronouns are he and him. I am a magician, a games designer, plus author. And my standard response to, oh, have you read anything that, that I might know, is probably. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Okay. All right. We're going to go right into this, I think. Would anyone like to start us off by saying what your connection is to magic. Are you a performer? Are you simply an enjoyer like myself? How do we feel and what is our connection to stage magic? Uh, if I could jump in, I have something for that. Yes. I, I've i been a fan of stage magic my whole life. And when I was growing up, I was part of a youth magic group on the Isle of Man where I grew up and performed multiple shows across basically every youth centre and primary school hall you could imagine in like a 50-mile radius. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really cool. Did you carry that on after you left? Unfortunately not. I've kept the appreciation of it ever since. Oh, I did birthday parties as well, Aww. which are, are are really weird because you have to have something happen every 15 seconds or the kids will wander off. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's no structure to it at all. It's just rings. They're connected. They're not connected. That's a balloon. It's a rabbit now. Cake. And it's exhausting, but it's really good fun. No, I actually kept the appreciation of it and my fondness for magic weirdly ended up being a really important part of the degree I went off to go do but i haven't performed in a while and i really keep meaning to get back to it oh that's amazing yeah i love the idea of being at a kid's birthday party but actually being like the most stressful part of the job <laughs> by some distance <laughs> just be like bam bam yeah. bam oh yeah <laughs> there's, there's a reason why i've never done kids magic oh really <laughs> and, and also like i've i've been a teacher i spent 10 years as a secondary school teacher i'm not afraid of children but i am not wanting mm. to perform to children they are the worst audience <laughs> in the world yes yes they are because they're so enthusiastic about everything which yeah. means it burns very very quickly a bit like roy batty <laughs> i i am a performer i'm still a performer i'd like to do more things on stage but there's not really any money for it at the moment nor nor large mm. audiences that uh. can safely gather but what I found really fun about doing stage magic particularly is just how much you can massively shift mm. the entire audience's mood into one specific place and like yeah. draw everyone around in this big thing mm. to the point where I was I was doing some close-up magic relatively recently at a party and like and this isn't just like guy with guitar style 
doing. He's like, oh, I'll show you a card trick. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I was paid to be at a party as part of their scheduled entertainment. And I decided it would be a lot safer to just stand in a corner and basically put on like ringmaster style voice to call over the small crowds and then do some things that way. So yeah, so I perform, have done, I, well, I've learned since I was 10, oh. which meant that by the time that eventually I actually started showing people things when I was about 16 or 17, I'd got past that point of actually being bad. Mm. So I think the first time I ever actually showed my parents anything, they were genuinely surprised that they didn't know what was going on. Mm. And yeah, when I was at uh, university, set up a magic society, which, which is still going to this day, which oh, I like. Congrats. Oh, congrats. Which I'm quite fancy about. And uh, unfortunately, we built up more money than we could spend oh, no. because as an official part of the student union, we were able to like charge for services and the like yeah. but the problem being a lot of our members were on student visas were like international students and so we can't pay anyone and so we just built up an absurdly high amount of cash that by the time <laughs> i left it's like we, we've bought as many packs of cards as we can possibly do we've bought everyone hoodies like <laughs> please please stop giving us money <laughs> oh so yeah so that was me hmm can you quickly go back for a minute and can you tell us a bit about what close-up magic? Is that like the illusion things like coins in your fingers or what is that? Yeah. So in the main sense, if we take like stage magic being the stand on a stage and do magic, hmm. close-up magic instead is if I stand up close to you and do magic. Mm. So ah, the okay. sort of thing you're likely to see at trade shows or at weddings or the like, or, or potentially in like cafes and the sort uh, sometimes otherwise called like walkabout magic mm. because typically the magician will walk about uh, is in the name <laughs> very sophisticated <laughs> this is a, a very ancient and precise art form this yeah. <laughs> and martin what about you i bloody love magic it's just i've just been a massive uh, fan ever since i was a, a really young kid it's like one of the first mm. shows and things i can really remember just enjoying and just a thing that i would just sort of obsessively kind of watch and get into so i think it started off the first magician i remember at least knowing the name of was paul daniels mm -hmm. just from i think a lot of his christmas shows we had like vhs recordings of him and i just watched them over and over again and just see the same Aww. tricks that he'd do and I th yeah it was just that whole persona that, that that they kind of show you something and they they lead you to believe a certain that the world is a certain way and then they'll sort of like do something that doesn't make any sense and kind of breaks that and i've just really <laughs> always enjoyed that up until the point when i got a magic set and then i was like oh this is just hard work and and lying to people <laughs> and i i kind of lost interest as soon as i realized that like all oh, right if you actually know how to perform and do the tricks then it's not magic anymore it's just uh <laughs> yeah you you figuring out and tricking people so i i mm. i lost the interest to kind of perform magic from a very young age but i've always been fascinated in kind of the process and how people um and and how people do it and what a trick is and what a what mm. good magic kind of is and I'm a, I'm a big fan of the the content and the way that it's made mm -hmm. do you think it, that's what inspires you in your various photoshop i think so yeah there's there's <laughs> there's that element of because that's a lot my career in tech is is kind of because it is that like you you run a few commands or you change a few things on a screen that is kind of like mm. simple and 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 the low effort cut that I was looking for as a child to kind of get that kind of performance <laughs> is technology is actually a much closer kind of uh, parallel to that than uh, real mm. stage magic. So yes, I definitely agree that, that that's where that, that kind of stuff comes from. 
And of course, with your various Photoshop adventures, what you do is you definitely show us things that we were not expecting. That's exactly it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Martin. <laughs> Although I, I do disagree. I, I, technology is incredibly complicated to me. I don't know how you do it. There's an Arthur C. Clarke quote that, that might possibly fit this situation. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. That any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So in a way, ah, yep. Martin is, uh, Absolutely. is insightful here. Yeah. It's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Shall we talk a bit about the actual like performance of magic, like being on stage? I mean, mm. Martin, I'm completely on your on your wavelength here and that I can't do it, nah. but I very much enjoy it. Although one time I was tricked into doing it. Well, that's the idea, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Sean, I think you were there. It was um, a magician did like the five rings trick and had me like hold some rings and then made them like lock together oh, yes. while I was holding them. And I didn't know how it happened. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I still think you did genuinely do it, though. I so didn't. I, think... I was just holding them. <laughs> See, this is the this is if we're going to get into like movies and prestige and things like that. This is it, isn't it? You've you've no magic really deep down inside. You're just pretending not to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, Martin, that's very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, someone tell me why you enjoy magic so much. Someone tell me about something inspiring that makes you want to do it or watch it? For me, it became the cornerstone of basically all of my training mm. because I, I had a very similar experience to Martin in that when, once I learned how to do a trick, you know, it was like the old John Delancey interview about Next Gen and his time as Q. And he said, I would have family members go, could, could I visit the set? And every time I would sit them down and go, you can, but you'll never watch the show the same way again. Yeah. Mm. Because the moment you see it from a different perspective, you lose some of the magic. Yeah. And I was incredibly lucky because due to the nature of what I ended up doing, that knowledge of how how a trick is assembled actually became part of my critical approach where I could tell it's the old thing. There are seven stories. Mm. There's very little original stuff. <laughs> and I mean, you you could get tremendously snooty about, well, I mean, this is just a load of tropes and this is high art and important. Yeah. And that's legit. But at the same time, if those tropes are well executed or if they're executed in a surprising way, there is joy and elegance and art in that. Yeah. And I find I apply that in all the pop culture writing I do, because if something is predictable, and a lot of things are predictable, that's fine. But if it throws curveballs at you within that predictability, that's wonderful. That That is the most pleasant of surprises. And I learned that through learning magic. I learned that from learning how to see something side on so you see each stage of it. And and I my brain ended up welding that onto narrative theory. Mm. So I can look at a story now and go, well, that, is, that isn't surprising. That's going to pay off here. And about 70% of the time, maybe 60%, I'm right. And this I have no, no idea about because I've never seen anyone do that before. Mm. And I love that process, and I love how that's how I've evolved my relationship with it. And it's 
that constant hunting for surprise is one of the things about the art I love the most. Because even now, even though I've not practiced for, I think, a couple of decades at this point, I can still look at things and go, I know how large that effect is. And you have hidden it inside a multi-million dollar action sequence, and it is literally turning a card over. Mm. <laughs> well done. Yep. You know, and it, it's it's like a different la- layer of the joke almost. Mm. I love that. And you've hit on something that I do believe, like firmly in my core, which is that a good story is absolutely a kind of magic yes it's it's a kind of teleportation it can be time travel it can be so many different things absolutely because that's that was really touching alistair oh yeah. <laughs> thank you martin bring us down again <laughs> <laughs> i like tricking and i like how people lie to people i like it how they- <laughs> <laughs> I like how they just get on stage and then they tell they say, Look at this thing, look at this, look, look, this is real. This is a real thing that I've got. Bam! No, it's not. It's not a real thing. I lied to you. It's this, it's a bird, it's a this, it's a that. Yeah, it's that that performance in the in the truest sense. Because they're they're essentially mm. they're not just magicians, they're comedians, they're actors, they're yes. contortionists charlatans as well like because a lot of the time a lot of the time the magician is the least talented person on stage and it'll be his his assistants and things Mm, and everyone else that's involved in the performance that actually kind of have to do something difficult or have to do something hard so for the, the classic kind of like chopping someone in half is usually done with either one or two contortionists fitting inside a space that you can't quite sorry spoiler warning for people who who want to think that magic is no, magic this, but this is a we all well yeah we all think we know this one yeah exactly this is a look at, looking at how the sausage is made kind <laughs> exactly. of thing isn't it yeah because i uh, i think one of my favorite shows growing up was uh i think it's the called the secret of the magician's code which was done by this guy called the mass magician oh, who i remember that basically revealed a bunch of secrets that were like trade secrets about... he didn't yeah no he did like, there was a it was a it was a massive show and it was it was so fascinating to just see that a lot of magic is literally just like look at this beautiful person while i just quickly undo all of these things behind my back and just like do this other thing and uh, yeah it was just really nice to see that like reveal of what a lot of magic is which is just misdirection hmm. the audience focusing on the wrong thing mirrors like just and 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 just clever stage design and clever sets and things like that so it's just the whole craft that I, I like to I like to watch the the, the mm-hmm. content and then also think how would you do that? Is there a secret compartment there? You're only showing me this. <laughs> you're 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 showing me these three sides of this object at one time, but you're holding back one side. So is there something that is like connected? So I'm constantly just trying to pick apart tricks, and then occasionally I'm just like, I have no idea how I did that. That's magic to me. So like, that's mm. that's how I like to enjoy magic. <laughs> that's always such a lovely feeling where you're like, <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah exactly you sir are a wizard well done <laughs> yeah can we go back a bit to the masked magician i i didn't what happened did he what happened to him so he did actually so that the show the fact that he was masked meant that we didn't actually know for throughout the season who he was uh-huh. so he was kind of protected from the kind of magician circle which is a real thing uh, as far as i'm aware mm. it really is yeah but then at the end, he did reveal who he was, except the trouble is, is I can't actually remember the magician's name. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We'll protect him from their wrath. I think he was removed from the magician's circle after that well, yeah. because of revealing magical secrets, as well as, I think, Dom 
or Dick from Dick and Dom, whichever one was a magician, I think they did the same thing and they're also not allowed in the magician circle (laughs) revealing magic tricks. I've actually just looked it up and brilliantly, the most magician's real name is Val Valentino. Oh, of course. Born to be a magician, weren't they? Absolutely. Right. But I think... I think I remember there being a massive thing in like the last episode. It was like, and finally, we'll reveal the identity of the masked magician. It's Valentino, yeah. and yeah. everyone in Britain was like, "Who?" Yeah, and I yeah. Like, imagine he's probably actually quite a significant like act in Vegas, probably. But if it wasn't wasn't Siegfried, wasn't Roy, we didn't we didn't know him. Wasn't any of the tigers? <laughs> no. no, we don't know that for certain. <laughs> Underneath Val Valentino is the tiger. <laughs> Sean, tell me what you enjoy about performing or watching magic. So, what I really like about it is the whole sense that it almost crystallizes a moment in the same way that, like, good poetry does. In that, I don't remember the last time that I looked so intently at a like a single coin <laughs> or like genuinely looked at a pack of cards and thought actually like what can I really tell about the physicality of this thing because it just ties everything right down to the point at which everyone's looking it's not as much as there is a like often a really powerful story that goes along especially with a lot of like large stage illusions so the sorts of things were like mm. huge boxes and various like flashy colored flags and the like although there's often a narrative that kind of underpins that as well you've also still got a point where you are looking incredibly precisely and closely at one direct thing, which is almost meditative in a sense, because it puts you directly in here in the moment looking at this thing altogether. And that part of like the same reason that I enjoy watching like anything on a stage is because you can feel the audience are all in the same audience versus talking with your friends about something that you've each watched separately. And I think that whole we are here now as one thing is I don't think anything does it quite as well as magic does because it takes in your previous assumptions and just like Mm. pulls back down to it's like you've seen coins you don't think about them but I'm going to make you think very hard about them right now by proceeding to pull 20 to 80 of them randomly out of the air and then throw them into a box where they turn into fish (laughs) I want to ask you a little bit because you you've been talking about sort of illusion magic and coins and cards. Mm. Actually, I know I'll open this to the floor, and the question <laughs> is, what about mind reading? I have a really embarrassing confession, <gasps> which speaks to this. I am a very good hypnotism subject. I have been told this. I used to have a colossal fear of the dentist because I'm lantern jawed, so I can't be properly anesthetized on my bottom jaw. Oh. And I was actually sent to a hypnotherapist to deal with this, and I still have the trigger for that. It still works to this day. But I had no memory of any time passing. I thought I'd just lay down, close my eyes, and they talked to me for a couple of minutes. And when I woke up, they went, yeah, you're one of the best subjects I've ever had. It took about half the usual time. And I was like thanks <laughs> and i'm still waiting for the trigger to murder abraham lincoln this relates to magic because a few years ago margaret took me to a darren brown show for my birthday oh. and she knows this and knew this ahead of time so we showed up five minutes before the show started not 25 minutes and we had the conversation about we're not going to hang around in the lobby you're not going to answer any questions <laughs> it's all going to be fine so he comes on stage and starts talking and he starts selecting he starts off with this kind of icebreaker where he's like gives you three questions and depending on what your answer is you sit down 
And at the end of, of these three questions, like four or five people were left standing up and, and Marguerite was one of them. Hmm. And he, at this stage show, at least, he selected volunteers from the audience by throwing aerobies hmm. into the audience and the person who caught it came up on stage. Throwing what, sorry? Aerobies. You know, this kind of circular boomerangs that don't come back. They're just oh. like frisbee-looking things. I thought those were called quoits. They may also be called quoits. Okay. I had pierogies and thought that you were throwing out potato dumplings <laughs> or pastry. Oh, I'm hungry now. <laughs> oh, I want, I want pierogies now. But it was only after the show had finished that we realised he had not thrown these into the audience sections where the people had been left standing up after these three questions because they were designed to pick out people who couldn't be manipulated. Ah. <laughs> and uh, like I say, Margaret was one of the three people left standing at the end of these questions, and I was the first person to sit down. So <laughs> that is why Darren Brown does not have me as a you know useful hypnotized patsy, basically. <laughs> wow. I've been hypnotized too before when I was at university. How did it go? It was very strange. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you don't remember it at all, but I remember it. And I just remember just feeling extremely, I don't know if you, if it is possible to feel suggestible, but just, I just was like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Chicken noises. F***ing A. Let's go. Yeah. Pardon me. Yeah, I was like, this will be great. <laughs> Martin, what do you think about mind reading and hypnotism and things like that? I'm really glad you brought up Darren Brown, because I think that he is kind of where like the escalation of modern magic and where we're at with the stage performances it's not enough to kind of just have trick objects and and sleight of hand and have objects appearing and disappearing Mm. we Mm. we like to think that we're in control of our minds and we're in control of uh of of our thoughts and things like that and Mm. he is very good at not only the hypnotism stuff but also at just kind of convincing you that what he's doing isn't just magic that he's somehow also controlling you in a way and manipulating you in a way that Mm. you're you're not completely in agreement with watching his shows and doing that same trick of like you you can't just be like oh he's holding an object in a weird way it's more like he's saying all of this stuff in 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 a way that is very convincing but you if you (laughs) kind of follow his logic to the letter and there are occasional sort of flaws to the things that he seems to predict. So he might say like, oh, um, think of a number and you'll say, oh, what was it? And you'll he'll say like 16 and then we're like, oh, well, I had 90 written and then later on it'll be like, oh, it was three away but he got the information kind of after and the timings of things is is so he might have it was three away written down somewhere and then someone says 16 and then he can say 19 and then uh-huh. the order in that seems predictive and magical but actually the the way in which the information is given in that particular order is not so to see it's not an actual prediction same thing when he kind of predicted the lottery numbers was the the lottery numbers came out and then he showed us them it a very very quickly, um, which I have, I don't know how he did it or, or or what what was used. You know, it's a magic trick basically. But at the same time, I don't believe he can predict the lottery and things like that. <laughs> no. There was a podcast called The Parapod, mm. and one of the hosts said something like, "Darren Brown is the closest thing we have to the devil." Totally. No. <laughs> yeah. 
Sean, how about you as a currently practicing magician? Indeed. Well, I think before we go into that, I want to say one my one of my favorite things about Darren Brown specifically is he will pepper his script with the answers mm. yeah. in such a way that he will directly make reference to the exact way in which he has done the thing he is doing without actually telling you, mm. like without necessarily revealing it. So I remember at one point he was talking about an event that took place on Lysander Street. And during the story that he was giving, a very, very specific line that seemed as if it could be a throwaway was actually the answer to, here's how this works. Oh. And I think from a conceptual point, that's really clever as well, because it means if you're the smug bastard who's going to sit there going, oh, I bet I know how he does this. And then he says, I did it this way. <laughs> You've now got this tiny little in-joke and you're probably then not going to tell everyone <laughs> because it almost like creates this like internal little structure. I don't know if he's doubly done that to the point where he's said a thing where people expect him to do that and actually he's used something separate. It's more likely he would have done that when he was working with Andy Nyman because Andy Nyman is the fan of that sort of, I'm going to trip you over three times at once. <laughs> but yeah, there's something absolutely fascinating about just how... And actually, yeah, no, I think what Martin said about him, like, elevating modern magic, I think definitely really works. I'm a big fan of mind reading. My stage show is primarily a mind reading stage show, just with a more bookish bent. Oh, wow. Mm. To the point where I did a show a few years ago called Mind What You Read. Where the premise <laughs> of it is the book you read on the tube actually reveals everything I need to know about you and I can use that to do stuff which oh. did mean that I got to reveal the world's most psychically charged word which uh, which is the word doormat ah. so if you think back to the very first Ghostbusters film at the beginning of it Bill Murray's character is testing the psychic capacities of his students by getting them to focus on different ideas from different cards and the symbols which he's getting them to focus on are genuine symbols that were used for psychic research back in the 30s. They're known as like Zener symbols or Rhine symbols. And they work <laughs> because they are visually as distinct from each other as possible. So it's unlikely that you're going to get confusion between the two. Pretty much in the same way that the like eye charts in an opticians are quite close to each other, it almost works on the opposite way instead. Mm. And the added benefit of those symbols as well is that they are entirely free of, like, cultural significance as such. Oh. So although there is a cross which looks essentially like a plus sign, it doesn't look like the Christian cross, for instance. And because of this, that was designed as such to be as free as possible from any sort of, like, primed belief or the sort of thoughts that someone may come to instead. And what you can also do with them then is take each of the symbols and almost represent them as a letter. So like the circle already looks like an O. The cross looks a little bit like a lowercase t. Hmm. If you take the star, that's pretty much the world's most excitable A. You can take the three wavy lines, turn them on their side. They look a bit, a bit like an M. And if you shave the, the corners off the edge of the square, then it looks a lot like a D. <laughs> <laughs> So if you take all of those and put them in a single word, then you get the word that the most psychics in the world are focusing on at any one time. And that word is doormat, uh. which does then prove quite useful for trying to get people to focus on particular different ideas if you're then trying to read their minds. <laughs> so that was so cool. particularly amusing for me, I suppose. Wow. Excellent. I love that. That is very, very cool. 
I forgot what we were talking about now. Did you do this to me, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> I was. We were wondering what you enjoyed about magic, I think, was the question. Mind reading. Mind reading. That's what we were talking about. In which case, is there anything else you would like to add about it? I like that it makes people really uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So there's a real fear. And I mean, Alistair kind of hinted at it when he spoke about the fact that he can be very easily hypnotized. Mm. That this is a situation that is different from something else. You're not just watching a video. Mm. You're not just seeing a strange optical illusion, but instead the impossibility is taking place within your own head, within your own skull. And there's a certain discomfort and a certain, like, frisson that comes from that. Yeah. And, yeah, it's the same reason I like horror movies. Yeah, Mm. Uh, absolutely. Because, like, the nightmare sticks in and, like, you've got that there now. (laughs) Excellent. And I think on that, we're going to take a little break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome back. I want to ask about favorite styles in terms of like to watch or to perform because I went to see, I think it was called The Illusionists in the London West End and it was someone doing mind reading. It was someone sticking his hand in a box with a scorpion in it. It was someone chaining himself up and getting out of like a fiery box they all had like these different disciplines that they specialized in. And I don't know if any of you have a favorite one that you like to engage with or Sean, I think you said you liked mind reading best. So my favorite to perform is mind reading, but I don't really enjoy watching it that much. Yeah. An exception would be Darren Brown, mm. because often when I'm watching it, I'm not trying to work out how it's done. I'm just following, but also that. Yeah. The people in which he's worked with, so some of his consultants like Andy Nyman and Luke Jamay, really shift the sort of tone and mechanics of the actual performance. Yeah. But often with a stage magician or a stage mentalist, they're doing the exact same tricks that I do and that we're all referring back pretty much to the same iconic texts. So there's, there's a thing called The 13 Steps to Mentalism by Tony Corinda that's essentially the Bible of mind reading. And so everyone knows it. And so it's it's quite interesting because I'll sit there and go, oh, I really liked how you did this thing that we all do. Mm. So yeah, someone needs to be remarkably different for me to really enjoy watching it. But my favourite things to watch instead is, well, what at the time would have been called parlour magic. Oh. Where... If you imagine like a, a long, a long room in a house that's kind of like almost like between like a dining room and a living room, sort of like bisected by an arch. And so like that arch would almost form like the natural wings of a, of a small stage. Yeah. So you see all these sorts of like brilliant manipulations routines where like someone will take a billiard ball and polish it with a silk cloth and the ball's just not there. <laughs> and in fact, my particular favorite is. Guy Hollingworth, who has a routine of this, and it's perfectly period. He's wearing, like, period-appropriate attire. He's got genuine vintage billiard balls, and he just cleans them, and they're gone. Huh. And it, it is the single most beautiful piece of magic I have ever seen. It's absolutely incredible. And I think some of the thing that I like about it is that it's so intricately choreographed. Hmm in almost in the same way as like a dance or in the way that like a very good mime show will be that intricately placed. That's super. It's interesting you bring up mime because mime is often to lots of people such an odd concept, but I actually did go and see a mime show once. Oh, cool. It really was like watching some kind of ballet or something. It was so weird and so intense, but also really beautiful. Interesting comparison. Yeah. Martin, what about you? What's your favourite one to watch? I like it when magic is kind of self-acknowledging. Mm. You kind of have this 
sort of meta plot. So Darren Brown does this, I think, very well, where he'll he'll explain how people in the past used to do used to perform a trick in a particular type of way, and then he'll explain how he's using psychological tricks or or his own knowledge or his own mm. you know cleverness in order to to reimagine it for a new generation i think also kind of pen and teller do it as well where they mm. they will take yes. uh, tricks that have been done in the past and they'll ramp them up in a kind of a more kind of like rock and roll way i like to think <laughs> yeah i think it's just that the idea that we've seen magic before we're aware of it we know certain beats and certain ways in which tricks are performed and magicians are aware of that as well and then they they elevate it to some other level in some other way either by making it more extreme uh, providing a different perspective or giving it that extra level on top of also doing tricks i guess so yeah yeah i, I think that so you like it when it's something where they tell you what they're about to do and then they do it but not yeah. like you expect exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. i actually think Penn and Teller's version of the bullet catch is a really good example of that. So you see how the standard traditional version of the bullet catch works in the prestige. Oh yeah. But the thing that makes Penn and Teller so good is that they are performing it for an American audience, but particularly for people who are gun enthusiasts. Yeah. So the sort of people that will go to a range, that will practice, that will spend a lot of time cleaning their guns. Yeah. And will have such immediate recognition of things in the same way that I can look at a role-playing game supplement and immediately tell you what line it's come from just because of my, like, familiarity with that sphere. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Alistair? The type of magic I used to love doing was lazy. <laughs> yes. That was literally how it was described. The The guy that taught me drilled one truism into us and i mean we were a room of like 14 10 14 to 15 year olds it's amazing that he didn't throw <laughs> us in a van and drive us around the island solving mysteries <laughs> did you have a dog it, right you know <laughs> the one thing that he drilled into us over and over again was avoid car treks and the, to this day i can hear him going there are 51 ways they can go wrong and only one way they can go right <laughs> And his idol was an American magician who seems to have largely fallen off the annals of history, and it's a real shame, called Carol Fox. And Fox was literally referred, had the stage name, The Lazy Magician. <laughs> and his his thinking was, my job is to entertain people, and to do that, I need to talk to them, and I need to engage them physically. And if I'm running 30, 20 item checklists for how long, for whether my tricks are working, I'm going to mess that up. So Fox's party piece was he would walk on stage with every trick preloaded mm. and all he had to do was present it. <laughs> and I was even gobbier as a kid than I am now <laughs> to the extent that my last, my, my last year with Young Magicians of Man before I went off to university, they basically went, you can't put an act together because you've got A-levels, so do you want to just script write the show? To which I went, yes, thank you. Oh. <laughs> so I used to love tricks which weren't tricks. I mean the the one which I was the one which is still my favorite is I I used to put a needle through a balloon and I've told you how I've done it by saying I put a needle through a balloon <laughs> and it was a foot long knitting needle with a piece of red thread on the end and transparent balloons that I'm fairly certain were knockoff condom rubber <laughs> that had been sold cheap to a magic supply store they smelt foul oh, wonderful no. but the the image of this red thread running through the middle of this opaque balloon always gets a response from an audience because they're like, what? how did you do that? And 
it was the only trick I was ever asked how I did it. And every time I said, well, what did you see? I put a needle through a balloon. You, you put a needle through a balloon. Yeah, that's how I did it. And stuff like that that invites the audience into this benevolent conspiracy of, yes, I want you to fool me, mm. especially if I'm not fooling them at all, <laughs> is stuff that I get a huge kick out of as a magician and I get even more of a kick out of as an audience member. And not just with magic either. Professional wrestling, strangely, mm. it's very similar marks a lot of the time, as do heist movies. Oh, yes. I love a heist movie. One of my my favorite TV shows is Leverage, which has just come back as Leverage Redemption. Mm. And every damn episode of that show is a magic trick. Every single one. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just perfectly subbed up by the idea of, of the prestige being, or did I? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I love stuff like that. I love things which set out and go, I'm going to fool you and do it in such a charming way that you go, I'm going to let you. And yeah. then it goes, by mm. the way, these are your trousers. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I, just, I really dig that. So do I. Like, I do. The thing that I really love about going to see magic shows is that I know there's no point in me even trying to think about it. I can just enjoy the thing. Whereas everything else I go to see, even if I try my best not to, there's a part of me that's like, ah, I see that this narrative beat is happening. Or, ooh, they should have had a consultant on that one. But a magic show, I'm just like, I've got no idea what's going on. I get to just sit and enjoy. And I absolutely am like, fool me. Absolutely. Show me ridiculous things. Hooray, I am witnessing wizardry. Continue. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. You're, t- you're totally right about how heist movies being like magic as well. Mm. If you haven't seen it, Ocean's 8 is one of the best Ocean's movies. Oh my God. <laughs> Love that flick. Okay. We are starting to come towards the end of the episode, I think. But we have time for one more question. And I'm basically going to dig down into what we've just been discussing, which is like, let's go down to like, what is the favorite trick that you've ever seen or performed? I know that's a very difficult question, but I'm not going to go first because I can't think. So some one of you is going to have to sacrifice yourselves. <laughs> I I do have one, actually. And it's, it's, it's someone we haven't talked about. And it's also technically not stage magic. It's It was from that period when street magic was cool by David Blaine. Street magic is still cool. Always will be yes. cool. Yeah. And it was deck of cards, let me find your card trick. Mm. Uh, except he he made a motion and it was on a car that was just traveling past the, oh. the persons that on the street. And it's... and. You know that there's probably, like, he probably, you know, gave it to someone the car wasn't necessarily, like, you know, there could have been any number of ways that it, that it could have, it could have been done. <laughs> yeah. But just to, just cause you're on the street and it's not a stage. So it feels like he can't be prepared and it yeah. feels like he's, he's literally there being a magical person doing this trick in front of you mm. using objects that he has no access to or he, he can't do anything with. That trick always stands out to me as one that I'm just like, wow, he's, he's taken, he's, he's taken the magic show out of a, an environment that is, he is in complete control of and moved it somewhere else where he's not in complete control of. And, and mm. that feels very magical. <laughs> oh, that's super cool. That totally counts. It does. Any other takers? So I have already described the single most beautiful trick that I have ever seen, Mm. which is Guy Hollingworth's billiard balls routine. 
which I don't think has been recorded. So I think if you want to see it, you'll have to see it live. Lovely man. Very tall. He's functionally Magic's answer to Hugh Grant. <laughs> oh! <laughs> he's uh, a working barista. No, no, he's a working barrister. Oh. <laughs> Very different things. He likes coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but my favourite trick I've ever performed is one called the Grand Illusion, mm. where... I mean, it's partially for the pun in its name, but I invite someone onto stage, they write a swear word on a doily, and then I hypnotise them into thinking that they are their own grandmother. <laughs> so it's it's only something I've done three or four times, but but I love it because it's just so absurd. And... And so it's it's not even quite cruel to the person on stage. So it's not just going like, ah, you think you're a chicken and we know you're not a chicken. Silly, silly human. <laughs> but instead, there's this just like strange shared laughter together at the end. <laughs> oh, that's very good. It is. <laughs> what about you, Alistair? The best trick I've ever seen performed was actually at that Darren Brown live show. Mm. And it was... It was the moment you realized the entire show was actually a heist because the first person <laughs> he had on stage, he asks for, he asked them to, to name a famous person and they named Jason Sudeikis. And this is pre-Ted Lasso. So like 25 people know who Jason Sudeikis is in the country. <laughs> and he's like, who? Oh, well, never mind. Pick another one. And then the final trick finishes and it spells out the name Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> And then he shows you the end of the final three tricks, all of which spell out the name Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> and then a pre-recorded song and dance number by Jason Sudeikis plays <laughs> on video screens, which weren't there a second before. And then he just comes out with this massive <laughs> eating grin on his face, sorry, <laughs> and takes a bow. And it was... I've never seen so many completely isolated tricks recontextualized before. And it's the benign conspiracy thing that I was talking about earlier, mm. where he basically comes out and goes, I have played you on levels you haven't noticed for two hours. Mm. And it is all to get to this ridiculous pseudo dad joke punchline, which is just here to make me laugh. And I hope it makes you laugh too. Thank you for your time. <laughs> and it's such a lovely kind of moment of psychological judo you know where he just picks you up dumps you on your back and you're like that was awesome do it again <laughs> but maybe not and the the favorite trick i ever performed was a thing called the houdini seances because houdini genuinely gave his team of investigators a code word mm -hmm. and he said you know when i die carry on the work and if you're ever at a seance and you hear someone says you know they they're talking to me ask for my code word and if they, they get it it's me. Officially, they never received it. But for years, there was a seance held attempting to contact Houdini. Aww. And this was a set of tricks which were told this story and which finished with a pair of slates. And I show both sides of both slates. And of course, I don't show both sides of both slates. <laughs> and they're blank. And the payoff to the trick at the end is that his message is left on there. And looking back, and I didn't realize this when I was terrified 16 year old about to be hit by 13 different kinds of trauma at the same time it, it's a really beautiful trick because it, it embodies the absolute edge of theatrical magic and the absolute edge of parapsychology and it dances along that line and mm. tells you a story and it tells you a story through surprise and a story which is ultimately hopeful and i 
really dug it. Nice. It, it's the that and the balloon are the two tricks I still think about, even now. Alistair, almost everything you've said has been so deep. Aww. I can't compete with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we've got to get you on more episodes. Oh, thank you. Uh, I think we need to get him on a stage putting a, a needle through a balloon <laughs> where the thread then spells out Houdini's code word. <laughs> I would love that. Oh my. Uh, Ma- magic's definitely one of those things that doesn't translate in uh, in an audio format really does it so like mm. y- you can you can perform a trick and then it just like no one, no one would <laughs> notice would they if if everyone was uh, if everyone was <laughs> if everyone was just listening to it that'd be that would be such a strange and unnecessary thing to do wouldn't it is this your card that no one can see yeah hooray Oh, I love a visual joke in an audio medium. Exactly. I truly do. <laughs> Listener, will you ever know what it is? Possibly not. What do you mean? I just That was just off the cuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, you haven't said what uh, what your favourite one is. Yeah, what's yours? I think it is the one that where the guy tricked me into doing it. Where he said, oh, just hold these two rings. And then suddenly they were interlocked. And I was like, how did you do this? <laughs> just because I cannot, I cannot describe the absolute shock. Mm. Like, I don't think I've ever been so utterly surprised by anything in my life. Because I was also nervous. I was like, oh God, what if I hold it wrong? And like, his trick fails because I'm the bad, <laughs> bad audience <laughs> member. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't. Yeah. So your favourite trick was because you were in it. Yes, basically. Nice. Yes, Obviously. I must be at the centre of attention at all times, Martin. You should know this. <laughs> I, I just wanted to pinpoint that fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, it's time to say goodbye, listener. Thank you so much for listening, and and for listening all the other times that you may or may not have listened. Hmm. This has been fun. Thank you so much, all of you, for coming on. This has been a really lovely couple of hours. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'll see you on the next episode. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from my lovely guest. Do you want to say goodbye, everybody? Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom and Catherine Minella. Thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.